Welcome back to the Rethink Your Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters. I may not have known it as a child, but I've always been a teacher at heart. I've always wanted to help people and build community. So when I started my first web hosting company in 2002, that's the business model I built it on, serving my community. It's not just about money, although it is important to value yourself and your skill set and to work with people who also value you enough to pay you for your expertise and service. But it's about providing a solution to a set of problems that my community faces and the support they need to fully benefit from that solution. So, when I met today's guest, I immediately connected with her message of living your fullest life while creating a deep and positive impact. Laura Hartley teaches ways to build a business beyond cutthroat capitalism, overcoming eco-anxiety, and burnout. She teaches her clients how to embody collaborative and regenerative forms of leadership. She is committed to creating the conditions for social healing and collective thriving. We'll learn more about creating revolutionary businesses after these messages. Are you ready to take control of your life? Then you've come to the right place. The Rethink Your Lifestyle podcast is here to help entrepreneurs like you start, grow, and scale the online business you love. Join host Michelle Waters as she shares her journey from the classroom to the freedom of being her own boss. She'll interview inspiring entrepreneurs and share tips and insights along the way. All right, without any further ado, let's get this show started. You know something needs to change. Your comfort zone is shrinking, but you need a roadmap to get out. You want to start a business or achieve that goal you always wanted, but what can you do? Rethink Your Lifestyle can help you find the answers. Our Get Out of Your Comfort Zone online course will help you plan and chart your journey out of that comfort zone and into a new, happier you. Learn how you can take action and rewrite your story at rethinkyourlifestyle.com slash comfort zone course. Welcome back to Rethink Your Lifestyle. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters, and I have with me Laura Hartley today. Glad to have you here. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. I've already given an introduction to our audience, but if you could, in your own words, tell us um, about yourself. Absolutely. So I am an activist, a writer, and a coach, and I run an online school for changemakers. So my work and my love is kind of based around three passions that coalesce around one question, which is how do we create a more beautiful life and world? So I'm really passionate about inner change. You know, I grew up surrounded by personal development and self-help. So this idea of how do we create more meaningful lives? How do we experience more purpose, more energy? Outer change, you know, we don't live in a utopia. There are so many things in the world today, whether it's climate change, whether it's racial injustice, wealth inequality that really need to change and need to transform quite rapidly. And business. You know, I think business has a tremendous power to change the world, to be part of creating a new system. And all of that kind of led to my work today. And I was excited to be on your podcast because I you know, I love teachers. I have so many dear friends who are teachers. I work with a lot of teachers. And, you know, it's this industry and profession that is so aligned with wanting to make a difference, with wanting to help the world. So finding this transition into a new way of doing that is so powerful. Absolutely. And I think that's where teachers struggle in terms of starting their own business or transitioning out of teaching and into business is we tend to see business as something that, you know, is very 
violent. It's, you know, um, no holds barred. Um, unfettered capitalism, whereas as teachers, we want to serve people. We want to take care of people. We want to collaborate and cooperate. Um, and so we think that those are two kind of separate paths. I mean, business has gotten a bad rap over the years and I absolutely get where you're coming from. I think it's very similar for a lot of people in nonprofit spheres as well. This idea that service is somehow separate to business. And I think this is because we've kind of conflated business and capitalism as the same thing when they're actually quite different. Business, you know, is just a form of trade. It's the exchange of goods or services and it has been around for pretty much all of time. So whether it was when we used to barter or trade for like silks and spices or, you know, all the way through to modern day currency, business is this expression of our gifts. It allows us to be fairly compensated for our labor. Whereas Mm -hmm. capitalism is just a way of organizing business, this way of organizing commerce. And, you know, it's inherently problematic. There are many flaws with capitalism that, you know, we don't need to go into today, but fundamentally it's based on infinite growth on a finite planet, this artificial production of scarcity. And of course, we see its effects in the world today. And we don't want to be a part of that. But that doesn't mean we have to reject business. It doesn't mean we have to reject money. It means really untangling business and money and our beliefs from capitalism and learning how to use these tools with purpose, with care, with intention to actually create a more beautiful world. So if that's what I'm wanting to do, I want to, you know, be able to start a business. I want to, you know, take and kind of be in charge of my life and deciding who I work with and how I work with them and the ethical system that I use to be who I am and to trade um, and, and to earn a living. If I'm if I'm wanting to to do that, kind of what does that look like? How can how do I get started? Mm, that's a good question. You know, I think there's so many ways that we can do this. You know, I, I use business as my way and it's a way that mm-hmm. I teach. But I want to say first up that it's not the only way. It's not okay. about completely that you have to change careers or professions. Sometimes your way to make a difference is to do it within the role that you're in. It is to do it within the system right. that you're in and to change it from within. But right. that doesn't always suit all of us. You know, some of us want um, a more flexible lifestyle. Some of us, you know, it, we no longer feel called to you know, make a difference in the way that we were. So by coming over to business, I think it's about looking first at our intentions, first at what matters to us. What are our values? What kind of difference do we want to make? How can we start to believe in our capacity to make change in a different way, to be powerful in our own right? When we start to look at those questions, we can create a little bit more scope, a little bit more room for imagination to come up with new ideas to be of service, new ways to create change in the world. So an example that I have from my own business is uh, a lot of times businesses will want to compete against each other. And so like when I started my first business, which was a a web design and hosting company, I got onto a message board and was, there was a forum there for work at home moms. And what we would do is we would, you know, talk with each other about our businesses and people would ask questions like, you know, they'd have a question about hosting their website, you know, some sort of technical issue. And what I plan to do was go in and answer the question that that person who had to show that I'm a web host. I know what I'm talking about. And if what you've got isn't working for you, 
come to my company because I will take care of you. And as evidenced by the fact that I'm doing this right here on this board. Uh, the problem that I had, though, is that the, there was this other lady whose name was Jen, and she kept beating me to the, all those answers and telling the people um, what I was going to say, um, the way I was going to say it. And I'm like, what? What in the world? I, I'm I'm trying to help people, and I can't because you keep beating me to it. And you know, there was nothing that I could add because she had it covered, and I was kind of getting a little angry at her because I felt like I was competing against her and losing, and I couldn't figure out, you know, why she was able to be there and do that, and I couldn't. Um, but then one day she reached out to me via Yahoo Messenger, so that kind of ages me here. But she reached out to me and said, "Hey, I've got this client who wants me to build her website, but she wants you to host it." And she's like, I, I'm not familiar with the system that you're offering. Can you help me? And kind of a little light bulb went on over my head. And I realized that instead of competing with her, I needed to cooperate and collaborate with her. And by doing that, we were able to work together in our own independent businesses, but in a partnership to take care of our customers. And so, you know, of course, it, it's important to fairly compensate one another. And so I started out a kind of a joint venture partnership agreement. And so whenever they would, whenever she would send me a customer, like say a $10 a month hosting customer, I would send back a dollar. Um, and we just continue to work like work together like that. And at one point in time I was, um, you know, sending her $300 a month because we had, you know, worked together and brought clients to each other that we wouldn't have had together or at all if it hadn't been for us working together. Absolutely. And I think this is such a powerful story because you're really talking about this idea of collaboration of competition. You know, we're, yeah. we're trained to see a business as this really competitive dog-eat-dog world. You know, I think it also plays in a little bit to what we've been told about our history as a species, that it was always survival of the fittest and you need to dominate, you need to own. And that story isn't entirely true. You know, it was also a story of cooperation, it was a story yes. of who adapted the best, of who worked together the best, who could collaborate with their peers the best. And when we're looking at this idea of competition and domination, that's really fundamental to what capitalism is. That's fundamental right. to when business becomes a problem, when it becomes a force for, for violence or for struggle in the world. You know, it comes down to this idea of domination and superiority, of controlling or power over. But there are other ways. And what you're talking about here is you saw somebody and there's this instant like, oh, like they're doing what I want to do. Oh, no, they're taking my clients. Like, you know, they're getting to these questions before me. But really, there was actually space for both of you when there was a little bit of room for that to be discovered. So, yes, she answered the questions and yes, she happened to get those clients, but then she couldn't work with them in all the ways that she needed to. So you learned to yep. work together. And so this collaboration, this idea of cooperation, that everything is relational, that the means don't justify the end, that, you know, business isn't really separate from life, that we all have the possibility of working together, that there's space for everyone is really foundational to this idea of business beyond capitalism. Yes. And, and that's, that's what I'm working on building. And that's what I want to pull teachers into, because I, I know that so many teachers, you know, got into the um, 
profession because you know they, they wanted to serve kids they loved kids yes but um they enjoyed the community that goes in with that you know especially at the middle school levels because you know we're always kind of in a team in um, environment and so we're working together and we're trying to figure out how we take care of the this particular group of kids and um i wanted to you know pull that pull what i learned in business into teaching and then now that i i've moved out of you know the classroom and in more of a, a business environment then i want to that teachers that are doing the same thing to be able to have that same idea and let's see it was a few weeks ago that i spoke with one of my coaching clients and that was one thing that he was really concerned about was i don't want to be this person who is um, unethical in business this person who you know overcharges or doesn't or does shoddy work or what have you and i'm like well if that's not the kind of business you want to run then don't run that kind of business run the kind of business that you want to build yes absolutely like and this is what we need people who are visioning business a little bit different that are doing it with intention doing it with care and doing it you know with a sense of ease as well I want to be clear. Sometimes when we're worried about overcharging or or doing, we're actually worried: Am I worth that? You know, there is such yes. a thing as overcharging. There is absolutely yeah. like companies and places and organizations that charge way too much. But also, yes. sometimes we're not comfortable with charging what we're worth. You know, actually recognizing that if we're going to be in business, you know, there are overheads to being in business. There are costs. It's got to pay our income. We need to, we deserve to live well. We deserve to live flourishing lives. So finding this balance between, okay, what is ethical? What is fair? What is aligned with what my audience can pay? What is aligned with, you know, historic inequities as well? How can I perhaps create some accessibility for people who maybe can't access my work while also charging what I'm worth, you know, recognizing maybe I'm worth more than I thought I was. Maybe it's okay to charge this, to be bold, to put myself out there, to trust that. And this kind of tension that lies in the middle sounds like possibly where your client may have been. But that's yes. where I think the magic kind of happens, that we get to create something new. Yes. And that's something that I've heard for so many years. I mean, in the work at home mom industry, you know, there are so many women there that just, you know, they based on the prices that they were charging for what they were making or probably bringing home or earning, I guess, $3 an hour because they just were not charging enough for what they were producing. Uh, and then into teaching, you know, teachers too have that same problem of not valuing what they bring to the table and valuing who they are. And, you know, you so commonly hear, you know, all I've ever done is teaching. What what else could I possibly do? And you know, I just want to say, you've, you've been a teacher, you can do everything. <laughs> yes. Um, like teachers, they have the most incredible gifts. You know, not only yes. are they highly skilled in, you know, many skills of teaching that are completely transferable, but there's a passion and a care for it. And every teacher yes. that I've known has gone into that profession because they have loved their work. They've loved yes. either the subject that they're teaching, which they've known so much about, 
they or they've loved the act of teaching where they're able to kind of break down complicated topics in a way for people to understand it or they've loved working with children and helping children and guiding children and those three areas are so incredibly valuable and so possible to transfer into their own business into something that gives them more freedom more possibility more flexibility and that kind of uh, belief in themselves to create something new yes and I think it's just we have become so used to not being valued by the people that are determining what is valuable that we kind of internalize that. And so one of my goals is to help teachers see what they really have to offer. And I know for me, I've, I've got a quiz on my website where teachers can go through and talk or answer some questions based on what they enjoyed the most about teaching. And it will, you know, su- suggest some uh, business options for them, like, you know, content creator or consultant or, you know, something along that line. And, but then I also, I have a course for um, teachers who are struggling to get out of that comfort zone that they've been in that's not working for them. And I understand that you have some resources on your website as well. I do. But I want to say first, you know, you're completely right that it's a product of the system that we live in that a lot of teachers don't think that they have something to offer. Teachers are not one of, they should be one of the most valued professions in our society, and they should be rewarded and reflected with that monetarily and the flexibility and with other areas of their work. But like nursing, uh, like teaching, there are many other, like childcare, there's many professions that are completely devalued by our society. And that doesn't mean that it's not valuable. It just means that, you know, the world that we live in hasn't chosen to support that. And we need to change that. So absolutely understanding that it's an internalized thing of a system that it's not them and it's not actually true or accurate is so important. But yes, I run a program called Business for the Revolution, which is really about reimagining business beyond capitalism and our participation in business in the world. So it breaks down things like perfectionism, you know, those areas where we get completely stuck thinking it needs to be perfect or I'm not good enough. This idea of removing scarcity from our money, our mindset, our marketing, you know, scarcity is inherent to capitalism and it's the really toxic part of business. And there's so much so much bro marketing. If you think about starting a business and you go online and it's like, you know, you've got to tell them that there's three seats left in this online webinar or whatever it is. And there's like, it's an online webinar. There are hundreds of seats (laughs) left. Like, it's fine. And these are the kind of tensions that we don't want to uphold this. So what does it look like if we break out of perfectionism? We know that now is the time. We know we have gifts to share. We remove the unethical practices or the unethical practices like scarcity like hoarding, mm-hmm. we price accordingly both to the lifestyle that we have and the costs and expenses that we have, which will be different for everyone depending where we live, our family, what we do, and also our audience and what they're able to pay and what they're willing to pay in the world. And then mm-hmm. looking again at this idea of a living business plan into the future. You know, what would a business plan for the next seven generations look like to really use business to, to reimagine into the future? So that it wasn't about extraction, it wasn't about, you know, cutting others off or taking their money or just, you know, me first mentality or or pretending that we're something that we're not. But showing up as right. who we are, how we are, embodying our strengths, offering our gifts of service, really tapping into that sense of vocation, that sense of 
using business as an expression of our inner gifts and not just about our outer needs and starting to create a better world for us, for our children, for our grandchildren and everyone else to come. So it sounds like what I need to do or what my um, listeners need to do is think about what it is that they love to do and would want to do and think about who they serve as part of that and who they can partner with to help do that. And then think about what kind of business they want to run and who they want and who they are within that context in order to make this happen. Yes. You know, I I don't think business should just be about filling outward needs. When we do that, we tend to choose businesses that don't have much purpose, don't have much soul. Yeah. And, you know, we burn out when we do them because we're not interested in them. We're not engaged by them. We don't care about them. And they feel a bit icky. So I really think it has to be about something that we love. It has to be about, or at least something that we care about, we have some passion around. I keep seeing those advertisements on like Facebook or wherever about only work four hours a day or only work, you know, two hours for this amount of time, you know, and they're talking about setting up like an Amazon store or something and just filling it with all these products and, you know, and then just selling something or, you know, doing something. And I, and I'm thinking, why? I mean, yeah, okay, so maybe maybe you get a whole lot of money coming in, but what are you actually doing? How exactly. are you helping somebody? You know, if business doesn't feel good, if it's not in service to something or to someone, then what is the point of it? You know, I think business has such power in the world these days. You know, if you go back 50 or 60 years ago, business didn't have the power that it has now. You, there's kind of three spheres of influence. There's government, there's business, and there's civil society. So things like unions and community groups and faith groups. And the one that actually has the mo- most influence today is business. Now, yeah. whether that's right or wrong, that is the reality of the case. So how are we going to use business actually as an extension of something that we love, something that's meaningful? Because otherwise, I mean, don't get me wrong, I I don't particularly like working 40 hours a week. I don't think we need to. I think that's a relic of, you know, a past age. I think there's a lot of power in working less hours than traditional kind of time would have us. But it needs to have purpose. It needs to have something that we care about. Yeah, I think you've got to start with the thing that you care about and figure out who it is that needs what it is that you care about and that what you're going to do. And then when you build the systems and the automation as necessary or as needed to serve that purpose, then you don't necessarily have to work quite as much. I mean, starting out, you're, you're going to work a lot, but you can back that off to where you have a better quality of life or a, a better work-life balance. Yes. I mean, the beginning is always a lot of work because you're creating something new, like you're birthing something into the world, whatever business you're starting. (laughs) So whether it's a store, whether it's a coaching practice or a consultancy practice or whatever it might be, it is something that is an idea in your head that you're taking and creating to be real in the world. That's going to take a lot of time. I think we're sometimes sold this idea that you can start a business in like three days and, you know, within a month you'll be making like $10,000 a week or whatever it might be. But it does take some time and some intention. But with time, as you say, we build the right systems, we build the right audience, we build the right funnels, and then the business kind of works to suit us. Our business needs to suit our lives. It's not us serving it. It serves us. Right. Right. And the business, it serves us, it serves our um, our clients, our customers, 
not everybody, like you said, serving it. So um, it kind of reminds me of a lady that I interviewed, gosh, 10, 15 years ago. I had a, an old uh, podcast called Product Sellers Talk Radio. And I interviewed small business owners about you know their stories and how they got started. And one lady had developed a an alcohol-free hand sanitizer back in the early 2000s or late 90s and then proceeded she she developed it like in her kitchen sink and then proceeded to shop it around for 10 years before it ended up in big box stores you know the large you know wow. store, grocery stores and what have you but she spent 10 years working on that before it happened and people who didn't know that story would have just seen oh she developed a alcohol-free hand sanitizer and boom it's in Walmart well that's not how that worked Absolutely. I mean, wow, 10 years, that is a commitment and yes. huge, like tremendous props to that woman. Like what an incredible achievement. But, you know, the bit, the, the germ from my business started years ago, the, the idea, the mm-hmm. seed, and it took a long time for it to actually come together into what it is today. It wasn't ready in its own sense. And I wasn't ready right. to run the business that I run now. You know, right. and thankfully, I'd always wanted to be self-employed. It was very natural to me, so I played with lots of different businesses over the years. But I also worked jobs. I worked corporates. I worked things to keep myself going while I was building them and trialing things and seeing what worked and what didn't work. Yep. And then when it was kind of ready, things came together to be like, "Oh, okay, now I see it." And then you know, it, it's it looks overnight from the outside. It looks like, oh, this person's showed up. Great. Look at this workshop. Look at this. And what you don't see is the months or years or however long of work or ideas of planting that seed that have gone into it long before. And you don't see all the seeds that were planted that never sprouted. You only see the ones that sprouted. Absolutely. I remember, I think one of my early businesses, I was 19 and I was running an online magazine and you know, financially, it was not, we, I don't think we really made any money from it, but it was mm-hmm. such a great learning curve of, you know, really teaching me the power of just asking people for what you want and how often they would yeah. say yes. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. really? It's that simple to get an interview? <laughs> you just ask? Um, and it's, yeah. it's given me a lot of the skills, which now I use today. And so that was a seed and it, it germinated, but, you know, it didn't fully bloom, but it really helped lay what I do now. So understanding that, you know, if we're still in a job, if we're still a teacher or whatever we're doing, that there's something happening in this time. If we want something new, that can, if we let it, will bring us there, will give us the skills, the tools, the gifts that we need to create something. Yes. So with all that in mind, what would you say is the one thing that teachers need to take away from um, what we've talked about today? That's a good question. I think don't be afraid of something new. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to take a leap. Know that to charge your worth is not unethical. That you can have a business that is founded around the idea of service, that is really working within structures that are creating a more beautiful world. And lastly, that the model we're taught of business, that it's about domination, that it's about control, that it's about competition, isn't true. That's capitalism. And capitalism isn't business. So you can use your business for good. Use it to serve you, your life, your community, your world, and use it to serve others. 
And, and I think that would be the primary takeaway. Know that there is service, there's goodness within it. Yes. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm so glad that I found you and um, discovered uh, your website and was able to read what it is that you're offering. So could you tell us a little bit more about where we can, or about where the listeners can find you? Yes, you can go to my website, which is laurahartley.com. I'm also on Instagram at laura.h.hartley and also on LinkedIn at Laura Hartley. So if you go to my website, you'll see all of the information on the program Business for the Revolution, as well as you can download a free guide to Business Beyond Capitalism and start to see what that might look like. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time and for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really have enjoyed this conversation, Michelle. So thank you. You're welcome. You have a a, a good um, day or evening. Oh, that's right. I forgot to mention you're in Australia. So (laughs) the time is kind of strange for me. Yes, I'm on Gadigal land in Sydney, Australia, but I work across the world thanks to the power of Zoom. And as long as the time zone is reasonable, then it's an exciting opportunity to kind of expand (laughs) my borders and sense of possibility. Awesome. Well, I um, thank you so much for taking this time at whatever hour of day it is there. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, teachers. Are you looking forward to brightening the day of everyone you meet? Make it easy with our The World is a Better Place with You in It hoodies and our When You Accept Yourself, You Find Your Confidence t-shirts. And then you can keep yourself motivated with our water bottles and eat, sleep, rethink your lifestyle mouse pads. Check out our new products at RethinkYourLifestyle.com slash merch. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rethink Your Lifestyle podcast, where you learn how to be your own boss. Have questions about starting, growing, or scaling your business? You can ask us anything. Just fill out the form at www.rethinkyourlifestyle.com slash askmeanything and Michelle will answer your burning entrepreneurial questions in an upcoming episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time.